This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant and talk general safety and health. This week, we're actually going to be covering two things that was brought up by uh, people in a group, a Facebook group that I belong to. So I put up a question and I asked, uh, what would you like to hear on the show? What kind of topic? And I got two answers. And one was merits of BBS and hop-based safety programs. So just a merit of both. And then the other question, or at least uh, the comment was, uh, a major global shortage of qualified EH&S professionals. So I'm not too sure... Uh, how much I could get into each one, but as I did my data for the second one, I thought I got some really cool um, data research for my second question. Oh, I got some good answers, uh, or at least insight that I haven't really looked at before in the industry. So I will be covering those two things in this episode this week. Thanks for hanging in with me as my mic is getting hopefully back today. I'll get my uh, my board, my soundboard, which I used to Broadcaster Pro. Love that thing. It just does freeze it on me, and that really stunk during my classes because I teach online quite a bit. So I had to send it off, and that's also the mic that I do this podcast on, so, or should I say board. So... Uh, I can't wait to get it back. I'm sure you guys can't wait for me to get it back, so it's okay. Uh, I am very, very, very appreciated for uh, appreciative for you guys hanging out with me uh, during this time. So I will be back right after these messages. Hi. I'd like to reintroduce you to the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. That's the course that I've been teaching many consultants how to get the foundation for what they're doing. We talk about setting proposals and getting your first clients. Go to safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for enduring my audio assault on your ears. <laughs> I'll be back in just the next episode. So here's to the skinny, like the kids used to say. Here's what happened. So I uh, belong to a group on Facebook, and this one is called U.S. Safety Professionals. It's got like 10,400 uh, safety professionals in this one Facebook group. So it's pretty cool. There's no spamming or anything like that. It's a great group. It's being um, one of the people responsible for it was a former student of mine, Alan Wolford. So it was really cool uh, being part of that. The, the other person working with Alan together is uh, Jorge Torres. So Alan and, and Jorge together are uh, the moderators and the admin for the U.S. Safety Professionals on Facebook. So I post on there sometimes and answer questions and a few other things. And um, truly, I enjoy the interaction with uh, other professionals. So um, I had a question coming in from Rod Courtney, and he said, 
um, he was interested in hearing about the merits of BBS and human performance-based safety programs. So that's one of the questions. So let's answer that one first, and then we'll go into the second question that I had about the major uh, global shortage of qualified EHMS. So for those of you that don't know or may not have um, heard past episodes, I have actually done this episode before, I should say this question before in a previous episode. Um, so episode, and I kind of like wrote this one down somewhere, oh, episode 88 is when I talked about human and organization performance versus behavior-based safety. So that's our hop and BBS. So that one was actually um, a good question for me because I'm actually in transition again. <laughs> I'll say it again. So for those of you that may not be familiar with um, both of the ideas of behavior-based safety is using a behavioral psychology approach to workers because in that discipline they believe in um, H.W. Heinrich's uh, study where he went through his uh, claims and found that 75 to 95% of all accidents are attributed to human behavior. Uh, since Heinrich came out with that, we found that those numbers were kind of bogus, but um, the BBS system and other behavioralists, they believe that if you monitor the behavior of the worker and then you uh, do some mitigation factors and track uh, your data related to how many observations you do, uh, then you can find a, a pattern, you talk to your workers and coach them and giving uh, their advice as to what works and what doesn't. And then you go ahead as an organization, you changes responding to what your workers have told you. And at some point you'll be doing your behavioral observation peer-to-peer -peer, uh, because it works better that way. And someone will be observing a coworker about a specific behavior and then they would address that coworker as part of the behavior team after the natural movement of the behavior and then they would kind of discuss yeah hey why'd you do this right uh, tell me a little bit more what what made it easier for you to do this choice or you chose this you know um adverse behavior of course peer to peer they're not going to be saying that um and then you take that results, your answers from everybody as you're uh, finding out why they did what they did and at the time they did it and then you're going to put that into a data set and data set keeps building and you have to um, analyze the data, listen to what the workers are saying through the coaching and then create a system or create something that you're going to do to uh, reduce the frequency of the incidents. So that's your behavior-based safety mindset. And then the human and organization performance, uh, they have a very famous uh, set of principles. And uh, you will call it the five principles of human and organization performance. Uh, one is people make mistakes. So when they're thinking of behavioralist versus human and organ performance guys, right there is uh, the big difference between the two. People make mistakes in the eyes of human organization performance as their very base tenet. And second is learning, well, 
Second would be blame fixes nothing. Uh, so first, people aren't the problem. Secondly, don't blame people because that's not going to help you in the greater good. You really need to understand things and just truly um, don't look at the one individual or one uh, item that has created this instance. It goes deeper than that. Uh, three, and the tendency is context drives behavior. So again, here is where BBS and the hop starts getting kind of blended together is because in the true behavior-based safety mindset, even the observation and the coaching part is to find out what is driving that behavior. And most of the time you'll think of it as an ABC model. A is for antecedent, B is for behavior, C is for consequence. Antecedent is the thought that is going to affect the behavior of the worker has to be just before they do that behavior that you're antecedent and then see the consequences once that worker initiates the behavior what happens after that action and uh, and from understanding those things in the BB in the behavior-based safety model that's going right back into the hop number three, which is context drives behavior. So they kind of share that. Um, the only difference is the principle one and two in hop talks about blame and don't place blame and blame doesn't help anything. But constant context driving behavior is the same thing on both disciplines. Learning is vital is number four in the hop tenants. And it is true, learning is definitely vital. Um, the hop people will probably do their learning in a different way where BBS is doing their learning through direct observation of a specific behavior. Whereas uh, the fourth principle of hops is saying that traditional learning may actually not be um, progressive enough. Uh, so what they're doing is more of a learning team where it's deliberate learning. Uh, so you're going to grab a team together, depends on, there's many different types of learning teams you can do. Uh, but once you do one, then you know, what your the mindset is, is that you really want to make sure that the learning team itself is driven by someone who can keep everything moving and uh, that's key and then they'll keep coming back to the original uh, mindset but then also uh, the other thing that you're going to see with the learning team is that uh, they are going to uh, the answers that you're getting in there are going to be more creative. It's going to be something that uh, sometimes you do it on a, a two or three day situation. Day one, you you really analyze and get the name of what this uh, what this issue is. Um, you're going to create your thesis question there, and then you come back the next day, and then you really just start. Uh, opening up and uh, going over some of your solutions to the question that you posed. So generally it's going to be a short two-day type thing. Um, I have um, in a previous episode done uh, learning teams. It was a two-part episode. Uh, so there's a, a, a team together, Glenn McCarthy and then uh, Brett Sutton. And then the other Brett, um, the two Bretts, 
and uh, and going this together are what makes up the uh, the learning team. And they actually did a book regarding learning teams. And so um, that was good. And it was pretty good. Oh, I forgot the last name there for a second. Uh, I did an episode with them, all three of them together, and it was really awesome. So you would have to go back to that episode, and uh, it was a two-parter. And let's see, it looks like it was episode 87 and 88. Let's see, 87 and 88. Oh, and Alan uh, Olford, if you wanted to know what episode he was, he was actually early, early in my podcasting career since me and Alan go way back. Uh, back in 2019, Alan was my episode number nine. Can you believe that? I was like, uh, like way, way back. Right now we're on episode 174, so that was the way back machine. Alright, so, you know what, that means my episode with Hop is different. Let me look that up. Oh yeah, it says 88. So let's do that. So that's uh, my pure thought on that, and then and I know I just went like back back in my brain, <laughs> but the last tenet of Hop is response matters, meaning when an incident happens, uh, how does the um, first the frontline supervisor respond? How does the organization respond as a whole? Uh, what are the activities that are being taken? What is their take on failure? Is it an opportunity or is it something where heads are going to roll? Put all five of those things together and that's what you have this human organization performance whereas the behavior-based safety is just honestly uh, addressing specific behaviors one at a time coaching workers and then trying to find out uh, what behaviors are being triggered by certain things and really that's that's key when you're doing the when you're doing the interview with the, with the workers you're trying to figure out the, the inner workings of the mind, of the human mind, which is trigger, thought, behavior, trigger, thought, behavior. So when you're doing the interview, you're looking to find the trigger for that worker that led to that thought that then contributed to the behavior. Uh, so that is the two differences. So the question was merits of BBS, merits of HOP in a safety program. Uh, HOP may be more proactive behavior by nature is going to be reactive we're going to have to look at the behavior um, I believe there's a part of your organization that might want to start with the BBS program and focus on your behaviors that are creating instances that's going to lead to your lagging data your days away restricted transfer your total recordable injury rates you might want to strategically start with BBS first because then you can target areas that you're seeing are greater impacts to your organization you deal with those first but while you're there, start developing uh, a learning team model for your, your organization and start trying to think of how to eventually convert them to uh, the newer view of safety. If you guys haven't read uh, Dr. Todd Conklin and Dr. Cindy Decker's book about do safety differently, it is a mind blower. I'm going to see what I can do to, uh, to get some more information uh, out to you guys about this one. Uh, I've got some things going on in my brain, so I'm going to 
let those things go through my head and then in action before I mention it here. <laughs> All right, second question came from Gavin Cole, and uh, he also mentioned something about the global shortage of qualified EHS. And I honestly kind of struggle with this question because I want to make sure I answer a question for uh, someone who has taken the time and energy and effort to reply to one of my requests. Uh, so I'm not familiar with on a global stage uh, what the, the job market would look like. Uh, and the inference here is that there's not qualified people to get into these jobs. So the thing I'm thinking about is what are the qualification models or what are people doing for qualifications? Uh, so therefore, that would be my first real thought is are people going through EH&S training to get uh, safety designations? That was the first way to really do it before they became college degree courses. And I, um, I always get this question, which one should you go for? A certificate or uh, a degree and the answer is always for me get the degree the degree is, is a different set of principles it takes to get through a degree course versus um, your certification courses and designations because you know, when you're committed to a full uh, college semester or more uh, then you're, you're definitely going to be working on some really critical components of management. Time management, you have to do uh, things such as critical thinking. Um, there's a whole bunch that you really need to do over a long sustained period of time. Whereas if you're going to take a designation course or even just test, you're prepping for the test for a little while and then you're taking your test or you're going to take a week long course or several days long. You're tied in and you're, you're locked in for that week or for that uh, those three days, but it's completely different if you're going to do a college semester. So college first, then designation, and then the other thing would be on the job training. So those are the things that first came to my mind, and then right after that, from this question of uh, qualified EHS, I started thinking, well, What's the job market look like and, and everything else related to that? Because if the growth, if we can see projected growth, then that means you know, there's a really need being built. So maybe I'm just, just checking out the question, the framework of the question itself. And I looked up only the US market. So if you go to Bureau Labor Statistics, Bureau and labor statistics on the US, that's BLS.gov. And if you were to look for, um, they do a whole bunch of things related to specific job titles and they let you know, here are some of the expectations and working environment, what you need for, um, for training. So here's what they say for um, occupational health and safety specialists and technicians together. The median, median pay in the U.S. here is $74,870, um, which is going to be $36 per hour, U.S. dollars here. And for work experience in related occupation, they say none. And then also they say for um, job outlook, 
and actually for typical entry education, they say um, later on it could be as little as a no degree and just a designation or an associate degree to get into this business and with an immediate pay of $74,000. That's awesome for no experience, uh, no real on-the-job training. And uh, they're saying that the growth for 20, between 2020 and 2030 is going to be an average as 7%. So that means it's not really uh, that hot of a, a job. So that means right now it's projected to grow. The numbers of jobs is 119,000. So there's jobs out there, uh, but it is uh, projected to grow, but just pretty much in an average way. So looking more for uh, just to answer the questions about qualified people, I honestly can't see in the job outlooks itself, you know, why there should be um, so many people not filling it. But one thing they did say in the job outlook, and this one I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll read to you guys. This is kind of from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this one is specifically the Occupational Health and Safety Specialist and Technician Jobs. So in Job Outlook, they're saying overall employment of Occupational Health and Safety Specialists and Technicians is projected to grow 7% from 2020 to 2030, about as fast as average of all occupations. So that's the one thing that they're saying there. And then later on, they say about 90, uh, 9,600 openings for occupational safety and health specialists and technicians are projected each year on average over the decade. Many of those openings are expected to result from the need to replace workers who transfer to different occupations or exit the labor force, such as to retire. So that's telling me that, that there is still a need and it's growing, but it doesn't tell me why currently <laughs> we may have this shortage and chances are what it may turn out to be is during the pandemic and this is just me going off the cuff. So I showed you guys a couple of things that we're looking at outlooks and uh, there's a lot more in um, safety and health magazine in the May 2022, they have a safety and health job outlook, job 2022 outlook in Safety and Health magazine. So that's another good one to look at. But overall, I'm thinking that, yes, there's going to be more people to fit the need. The jobs that are um, going to be available due to retirement will also add to that. And then for the workers, um, there are probably going to be some percentage of workers that are going to fill those positions from in-house. Uh, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but a lot of people, as they get injured and maybe can't fulfill their normal job, they get transitioned into safety. <laughs> we might see some of that. So uh, right now it looks like it might be a combination of interest. It could be a combination of when the pandemic happened and they started letting people go. Normally they'd let the safety departments go uh, quicker than other departments. So those people were probably pushed to become consultants. So they may 
may be more people in the consultancy because of that, or they may have gone and you know, started their own business and trade or, or whatever they were good at. They might have said, hey, I'm going to forget safety altogether and let's go ahead and, and uh, get into a business of more security. So that might also be uh, a consideration and a factor there. So I'm sorry I don't have even more uh, info for you guys, but at least that you, um, I was able to answer the questions for you, Rod and Gavin. So hopefully uh, you guys can get some answers to go with you. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, I would like to ask for you to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. And go ahead and give me a review. That'd be awesome. Those three things would really make a big difference. It'll show me that you care, you're out there, you're listening, and you like the show. Uh, that's really going to make a, a, a wave, if you will. And uh, get me in the rankings, you know, getting competitive. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But overall, I think we did good today. Thank you guys for answering the question. Uh, go ahead and look at safetyconsultant.tv on the browser that you're listening to me on. If you're listening to me online or if you're sitting, uh, walking around the house, then you can pop on the couch real quick and uh, download the Safety Consultant TV app on Roku, on any of your um, Apple devices, um, anything on the Andrew Android, excuse me, device or your Amazon Fire Stick, you can download that Safety Consultant TV app, register, and uh, it's even quicker to register online on the computer, safetyconsultant.tv. It is a subscription-based TV service where I have put together videos for you on safety and health as well as written templates that you could use for specific written programs for your safety system. Now those of you that want to start becoming a consultant, there's many, many consultant topics on there uh, that you can see and you are going to get templates that you can download to help with your business today. So go to safetyconsultant.tv and put in code SC101, SC101, and you can get 30 days free. All right, that is it, gang. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the week. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.